everybody and welcome back to another episode of the magic circuit i'm ben and i'm mia and today we are going to be talking at least at the beginning about the newest groundbreaking thing in the fate franchise which is heaven's feel movie 2 lost butterfly which Uh, i missed because i was in new york being a useless lesbian (laughs) whoops uh, but I did see it, so I'm going to talk about at least my feelings on the movie. Um, it'll bounce off, and uh, maybe you'll have some questions about it, Mia. And uh, yeah. yeah, oh, I do definitely. Sure. Uh, and then we'll try to keep that on the briefer side, and then afterwards we will follow up with just doing a a deep dive on the general way that Magecraft works in the series this is something i want to try to do a little bit more of is just like picking one of those topics that's just kind of there in the series and really examining like every bit of information that's been dripped to us over the past 15 years or right i guess going back to before fate's day night like 2025 um oh God. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's true i mean because that also is really how like tight moon lore works like all the stuff from like Karn and Kyokai and Tsukihime has just like compounded into like Stay Night and it keeps coming back as you know like fucking like Narita dredges up the the, <laughs> the the like corpses of the forgotten era when he like writes a new chapter for Strange Fake or whatever. Cool we got our contractually obligated Strange Fake shilling in real early this time. Oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. you know one per episode. Cool. One per episode. Alright. Um, but yeah considering that this is the April Fool's episode um we don't really have a big joke planned, but I guess you could say that the biggest joke of all is the Tai Moon magic system. <laughs> well, we did have a joke planned, but then um, we couldn't really get our stuff together in time for it. But we will reuse it at some point in the future. Oh, that's true. That's true. I, 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 yeah, I guess that's enough of a joke. All right. Fair enough. Ready to just jump into Heaven's Field 2 then? Yeah, I I don't have any more uh, more opening words. No more, if you want to, yeah, things we have to. Announce, if you want right? to dive right in, or cool. I guess I can I could lead with a question if you'd rather. Um, if you have one you'd like to ask off the bat, then hit me with it. How sick were the new fight scenes? <laughs> oh, they were really sick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Woo, okay. So the um. Oh, disclaimer: Heaven's Feel two spoilers. Yes, of course. Um, okay. Yeah. I, obligatory. I'm sure if you got we'll this far, you probably spoil... already knew that heavens feel three as well uh like, yeah we're that's, probably that's just true. gonna gonna get there um yeah we're doing general the heavens feel root spoilers yeah yeah okay so okay anyways there were two like new slash expanded fight scenes um so the first one well the one that was in the trailer was saber altar versus berserker um which mm-hmm. is really sick. But before we talk about that one, I want to address the other, just because it was, like, shorter, um, was uh, not so much a fight scene, but definitely expanded from the original appearance in the visual novel was uh, Gil's confrontation with Sakura and subsequent unceremonious death. Ooh! They expanded it. Yeah. Um, Ooh. So first off... The movies move it way back from where it was in the visual novel. It was pretty. Ooh, really? It was pretty early on in the VN, if I recall correctly. Um, I remember it being pretty early because in the in the VN, like you know, Gil, who's hyped up as like being the strongest, most OP being in the whole franchise, like for two roots, is like, oh, Gil's probably going to do something important in this route, and then they just fucking slam him. He gets shadow slammed and yeah. then just eaten. Because the way the Real pacing, quick. the way the pacing kind of works in the VN, is the first like maybe like the first quarter of it is just like fifty percent of the cast being taken out, like one after another, boom, 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 they're gone. Um, yeah. And then like the next fifty percent is really, really slow. And there are cool things that happen <laughs> in it, but there's a lot of 
wasted space with just like going back and forth from the church like three or four times and go they go like to Einsburn Castle like twice and back um and Shiro they, and there's Sakura a lot of like lots of sex yeah a lot of redundant slice of life scenes and a lot of sex and it, it's really slow before like the last quarter is the end game um and although I wasn't super happy with some of the rearranging they did in the first movie. Oh, and I guess I, I should mm-hmm. mention that. Um, I was not a big fan of the first movie for a number of reasons. Uh, but I thought the second was much better. Um, Which is, that's good to know. I like I liked the first one, um, but I, I acknowledge that I liked it because it was just like good fan pandering. Yeah. Like it just, it was, it was cool to see the things that I remember feeling were cool when I was, you know, a, a mid-teen uh, now seeing them on the big screen and way longer and way stupider. Cough, cough. The the coup, <laughs> um, cursed arm fight. Yeah, uh, that's a take that I've seen not a lot of other people agreeing with, though. So maybe that's like my my hot take is that Heaven's Field Two was better than Heaven's Field One. Uh, oh, but really? I'm, like people have been saying that Two is is worse or yeah, like I on par with or I don't really understand why, but I'll uh, there's one one particular criticism I've been hearing, but I'll get to that later. So okay, okay. Uh, anyway, um, the Gilgamesh scene is moved way back. So from in the VN, it was part of like that first quarter where just everyone's dying left and right. Here, right. the Gilgamesh scene is the one where we get like direct confirmation that Sakura is the shadow. Okay. Um, and it starts off with this really bizarre dream sequence where she she falls asleep and then she's having a dream that she's in like this fairy tale kingdom kind of deal and there are all of these like candy animals that she's like dancing around with um okay very not a thing that happened in the vn very not a thing that happened in the vn uh okay. but then and it goes on for like a couple minutes too i was really trying to figure out like where we were going with this for quite okay. a while but it eventually like transitions out of that scene uh, into like a scene that had very strong like Karno Kyokai Seven vibes. Like, you know, like all of the scenes of like Shirazumi like eating people in an alley. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. It, I was like, what are we getting at? So is it like Sakura like shadow jumping people? Yeah, uh, it's okay. like it's like sh- Sakura in an like a back alley somewhere like covered in blood with like a bunch of bodies around her like down on the ground um okay and then like gilgamesh appears in the entrance to the alley and he like shit talks her a bit um <laughs> classic and i don't remember if she like says something back that was like rude or dismissive or if she like uh shoots like a, a tentacle at him or something and he gets uh-huh. he gets pissed but he then just like completely eviscerates her with gate of babylon um okay at which point she goes like way out of control and like swallows him up and then there's like this montage of just like the shadow appearing all over the city and just like people like tons of random people just being like swallowed up or ripped apart oh fuck um yeah so it's a it's pretty nuts it's a really brutal scene um and yeah, geez. very, very greatly expanded from the VN one, which was basically just like Gilgamesh appears in front of the shadow, says, hey, shadow, you're gross. I don't like you. And then dies. Yeah, right. He's like, ah, oh, what is this filth doing in my city? Right. Wham. Uh, so that that was very, very cool. And I think a um, a good example of rearranging things. Um, yeah, because if I'm remembering right, it was still pretty early, but were there... I'm not sure if I'm making this up in my head because again, it's been years since I read it. Um, weren't there more scenes that were like Sakura, like in or like the shadow is he, like you know nabs this woman in the alley or whatever? Yeah. Um, and maybe there's some like illusion that it's maybe Sakura or something like that, but that that kind of gets ramped up slowly over the course of time, and then you have like Gil meeting the shadow in the alleyway, right? Um. And then the other expanded scene was the Saber Altar versus uh, Berserker 1, which was... Ooh, ooh, ooh. It was so good. Uh, uh. It's it's basically just like a huge slugfest. 
Um, Ooh. I had been wondering going into this, like, oh, it'll be really interesting to, like, watch this fight scene and then compare it back to, like, how the Saber versus Berserker fight scenes in Heaven's Feel 1 and in Unlimited Blade Works. See, like, how right. they, like, what similarities they use. Uh, it turns out yeah. there are, like, none. Um, oh, really? Yeah, because those two fight scenes are both very much about, like, Berserker being, like, terrifying and Saber having to, like, dart around and, like, play defensive. And, like, she runs up his giant, like, axe sword and stuff and does, like, dodgy kind of moves. Um, right, she's, like, the dex build to his strength build and trying to play on her, like, smallness and her nimbleness as opposed to him just being a, you know, screaming meatball. Yeah. This scene, I think, is designed to be nothing like that to drive home, like, how nuts Saber is when she's oh, okay. at, like, Saber Altar power level without, like, having to rely on Shiro's shitty mana source. Uh-huh. Uh, because she just, like, smacks him around. Oh, really? It's really cool. And uh, they do such an awesome job of illustrating the existence of God Hand. Um, oh, cool. Because it starts out with, like, that that cut you see from the trailer where he just, like, jumps, like, across the world, like, right into her face. Yeah. Um, so that's like the beginning of the fight, but then she like basically immediately like deflects that and then just like cuts him in half. Oh shit! <laughs> and he, oh fuck! <laughs> like from like the shoulder like down through his torso. Oh shit! And he just like goes down and is like being pulled into the pond by like darkness tentacles. Um, oh yo, that's sick! And then like. You know, like, the, the woke memes where you've got, like, the red flare eyes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I do, I do <laughs> know what you're talking about. <laughs> he basically does that and then just, like, leaps back into action. Um, but okay. that that kind of thing then throughout the, the course of the fight happens, like, several more times. I want to say, like, four or five more times where uh-huh. they're just, like, beating the shit out of each other and then she lands a death blow and he, like, pauses for a second and then his eyes flare and, like, goes back at it. Uh-huh. Uh, it's really sick. I loved it. Cool, cool. It was, um, basically the perfect interpretation of how I think Berserker should be fighting, because I've always loved the way they depict him in uh-huh. the anime, just, like, how they drive home that he's, like, fucking huge and terrifying, but also, like, really fast and nimble. Uh, right right that it's like oh he's big so you think he's just gonna like clobber around and do like big you know caveman strats but he like has a lot of ingrained like battle instinct and you know can do like surprisingly smart like nimble maneuvers yeah you know like again i'm thinking back to that that other scene that you mentioned where it's like he steps on or like saber steps on like the axe sword but then he just like lets go of it and does like a backflip and he like does like a weird like flippy kick thing yeah um so although yeah. the fight is very much just Saber Alter beating the tar out of him over and over again, <laughs> he does have so many super sick moves because it's like in the the setting is like outside the castle, but then they start like destroying the castle and he's like hitting her with parts of the castle and shit and like ripping it apart oh, and throwing stones at her. Uh-huh. It's really, really cool. Uh uh-huh. Damn. I'm really bummed I missed this. I know. I can't I can't believe you missed it. Well, it was Just like it was timing. that or yeah. it was that or a girlfriend or gallery opening and those were all plans I had made prior, so yeah. you know. Um uh, alas, it's fine. I definitely you know, whatever comes first whether it's the torrent or the dub, um I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, uh I think the strongest aspect of the movie was how they fixed the pacing from the visual novel I, I touched on that before how there's a lot of back and forth in the VN um, uh-huh. and they very skillfully like eliminated that uh, nice they're, they're going to have to go back to the castle again obviously for like the fight with Berserker Altar and all but the fact that that's happening now in the third movie rather than the second will make it not feel as repetitive as it did in the VN. And also they managed to cut all of the church visits down to just one in that movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's, um, so you, you remember the scene at 
the school after like Shinji like abducts Sakura back and then like basically challenges Shiro like I'm at the school like come and get her um uh yeah I think that's right is that the scene where it's like uh it's like them in the hallway and he has like the knife yeah um and, and he he basically like just has Ryder beat the shit out of Shiro because he doesn't have a servant um yes that's right that's right and then like Shiro manages to like slip past her and punch him in the face and yeah <laughs> yeah and then he's like oh like that's not okay and orders Ryder to kill Shiro at which point Sakura like tells her to stop and that's when it is revealed that oh right, right she's right. actually the master and like the book of false attendant bur- burns up and all that um nice so right from that scene at the end of that like Sakura kind of like goes goes a little berserk uh and like imaginary number like balls start appearing in the air and then like shooting out into spires um oh god yeah and one of them like skewers her, her through the stomach so they run her to the church uh, oh okay interesting so that's that's a that's a tweak yeah uh okay. so that's that's the only church visit we actually see there and we learn about okay. like um Kitomine being like a, a magic doctor and they have oh yeah what the unnamed sorcery trait that makes him good at <laughs> yeah. magic surgeries or whatever yeah um and they have the whole conversation about like oh shiro if you really aspire to like follow um amy akiratsuku's ideals then your only enemy should be that girl and rin is like well that settles it i'm gonna kill her <laughs> oh yeah that's right and she was like no you can't kill her yeah. i i love her right and then sakura runs away and then they have the scene in the rain where he promises to protect her and everything oh um, go- okay okay cool yeah well, that's nice yeah that does streamline things really well and without really losing any of the like thematic anything right um so then that's the only church scene and then there was another scene at the church in the vn that's just basically uh a lore or like info dump about the crest worms that are inside her and everything uh and they change uh, yes. they changed that in the movie to be a lore dump from zoken oh which just like di- diversifies the scenery makes things not feel as repetitive um, okay that's cool that's cool and then the yeah. third one is when like after uh the first fight at the castle when Archer dies and Shiro loses his arm. Um, yes. When, like, Katomine stitches it back on. They just mm-hmm. let that ha- happen off screen. He just... Oh, really? Yeah. He just comes back home, like, after that whole scene that, like, Sakura opens the door and he's there with, like, the band- bandaged up arm and she's like, <laughs> what happened to you? And he's like, you know it's fine don't worry about it and then like rin steps out from behind the door and sakura like has a heart attack it's like oh yeah i met uh i met tosuka while we were out she's gonna like hang out with us for a little bit (laughs) (laughs) and then Ilya steps out from behind the door oh no (laughs) it was actually it was actually a really funny scene that sounds really good it was laughing it's uh it's a little messed up but it was very very funny so, but they, and they don't, do they explain, like, the archer arm stuff? Uh, what do you mean? Like, what, what part of it? You said they, you said they did the putting the arm on off screen, yeah? Yeah. So, they, like, they explain that it is archer's arm. I, okay. If I remember correctly, I don't think they actually say that, like, Kutomine was the one who stitched it on for him. Um, oh, okay. But I think that's pretty... But I guess if they had the magic doctor scene, that's probably That's pretty easy enough. to infer, because they already established the mag- magic doctor stuff. Yeah. Okay, interesting. I don't know if I like that, because if I'm remembering right, there's all of this wacky stuff that happens when he gets the arm sewed on. Well, where there's like... About, like, when he tries to use it, and it, like, fucks with his head. There's, like, the wind tunnel, and there's Archer, like, looking over his shoulder or whatever... Oh, they they do do some of that. It's like later on, he's like taking a bath, and he's thinking about like if I like I'm go- if I'm gonna be able to do anything, then like I have to use this arm. And he like tries to activate his magic circuits and like has an aneurysm in the bathtub. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> sure no. <laughs> um, so I I, th- I thought that stuff was all handled pretty well. Um, okay, cool. Because that's one of those things I've been talking to other people lately about the 
kind of like shonen trope of like, oh, you've gained this power, but every time you use it, it like drains your life force. So don't do it. But then. Right. Which I feel like, especially, I don't know, these days, and by these days, I'm mostly thinking of like My Hero Academia, where it's like, you know, the whole first chunk of it is like, you're the most powerful character in this show now, but you can't do anything or else you'll break all yeah. of your limbs. That That is an issue I have with Hero Academia, because I feel they're like, oh, you'll break your limbs, but every time you do, you'll just get, like, immediately healed, and we'll tell you, like, don't do that again, but then you just do it again, and you get healed again. Right, but and I- they, like, kind of smooth that over when Recovery Girl is like, hey, I've, I'm not doing this for you. This is pretty fucked up. Yeah. I'm not doing this anymore. And All Might's like, why? And he's like, well, she's like, what do you mean, why? You can't just keep telling this kid to break his arms every time he has to do something. <laughs> you have to tell him to get good yeah. and use his powers. But, um... I think that uh, they did a good job of setting up with, like, that one scene where he tries to use it and gets completely, like, fucked in the head. Um, Mm -hmm. That it's not one of those cases that, like, using it will have consequences. Um, Because even, like, not doing anything really with it was so bad for him. And then, like, obviously we know how the route ends and, like, his entire body turning into swords. Right, right. Um... So I thought that was that was really good. Um, cool. Yeah the the nice. one complaint I've heard a lot of people making that uh, I'm curious about your take on, uh, which okay. obviously you won't be able to give like a, a fully uh, educated one because you didn't see the movie. But right, cause I haven't seen the movie. Uh, but I but I have thoughts. I have opinions. You know. So a lot of. Ilya fans are upset that Ilya gets like kind of shafted in terms of screen time. Uh, okay, I thought that there was not a lot of Ilya content, but what there was was really good. Um, okay, she has a brief scene where she talks to Sakura um, about like being a Holy Grail and the idea that like. Okay the transformation process has begun and, like, there's nothing that can be done about that and, like, living with the knowledge that, like, this is going to happen to you. Okay. Um, which was very short, very short scene, but I thought it was really good and, like, a strong and telling insight into, like, Ilya's psychology above, like, the Onichan act that she puts on to, like, throw Shiro off balance, which is what I was gonna say, mostly to make Shiro uncomfortable and to, like, have a good time for herself. Yeah. Um, Uh and then there's another scene where, um, Taiga is, like, treating, uh, Sakura because she's, like, bedridden. Um, okay. And they're talking about, they're talking about Shiro, and how because right af- right before this if i'm remembering the order of things correctly like um shiro is thinking about shiro comes back from like his conversation with zoken where he learns about like what's happening to her and he's thinking about like uh, kiritsugu's ideals that were instilled in him and how like kiritsugu would like kill sakura in this situation and he kind of like stands over her bed as um as she's sleeping like uh as if uh, he's going to kill her and then decides against it and like leaves the room um, and then she okay. like opens her so eyes so you have like the mind of steel moment basically basically yeah um, okay. and then she like opens her eyes and reveals that like she was awake and like knew that he was thinking about doing this so after that oh. a little bit after that there's a conversation between her and Taiga where they talk about um, like Shiro's ideals and how they like came from Kiritsugu and they talk about like the pole vaulting scene um <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey no, guys, no. remember that one dumbass kid <laughs> the, who couldn't do the pole, the pole vault? vaulting scene was addressed in a different, in, a, a different way actually, which was like equally like heartbreaking and hilarious. Which is, <laughs> uh, when Rin is talking to Shiro about like about the arm, she kind of like digresses into like talking about how she saw him like doing the pole vaulting and how it's like so different from her because she's the kind of person who like gives up when something doesn't come naturally to her. Um, uh. but Sakura, they're like in the shed and Sakura is like out in the yard, like walking towards them when she like hears them having this conversation. And then it like uh. cuts to the, the flashback of like Sakura watching him at the exact same time. And she had, she has this like emotional moment of 
because you know she has like all of her resentment against Rin for like which sister got to have the good life and which one was like thrown in the worm pit um, <laughs> yeah but she yeah. she has Poor this Sakura. like emotional moment of like oh like like you're are you going to like take even this memory from me too um oh but but i had such a hard time taking it seriously because i've always thought it should have been a carnival phantasm skit where you have that scene and like rin watching and then on the other side you have sakura watching and then just like the entire cast of the visual novel like hiding in the bushes <laughs> and then it's like right like then taiga comes up and it's like oh yeah i was like you know i fell asleep at my desk and i looked out the window and i saw you there or something <laughs> yeah, like that right. um but where was i going with this oh oh Ilya. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was a there was an Ilya moment with Taiga and her. So Taiga Taiga is talking about like Kiritsugu's ideals. Um okay. and Ilya is like out in the hallway like listening in on this conversation happening. Um Oh, okay. And Taiga Taiga is basically saying how like despite all of um how like sometimes Kiritsugu could feel seem like really callous and like he didn't care about anything but his goals like he clearly had people that he loved and like all the time that I knew him he was like always going out of the country like going back to Europe because he said like he had like people there that he needed to see um, and before that Ilya had had a scene where she uh she kind of Im- implies about how like Kiritsugu never coming back um Right, and I'm pretty sure that's a thing that that does come up explicitly in the visual novel somewhere. Yeah, where she talks about her resentment toward, like the reason that she's here and the reason that she's like fine to kill Shiro is partially out of like revenge for like Hiratsugu abandoning her. Right, right. So they they do talk about that in the visual novel, and then later on she gets to learn like from Taika that like Hiratsugu like kept trying to go back to her, and like the Einsburns wouldn't let let him see her. Oh. Um, okay, well that's that's good. I don't remember if that happened in the Neither do I. Visual novel. I don't or not. think it did. But I my, don't think it does either. My issue is that I thought both of those were like really good Ilya scenes. Uh yeah. but Sounds like it. I've seen a lot of Ilya fans who are upset that this adaptation is just like the Sakura show and that like Ilya's content in this route is getting like completely left out, but to be honest, I've never cared about Ilya really at all, and I don't remember any of the supposedly really good content she had in Heaven's Feel, so I can't really tell whether that's valid complaint or not, because if you asked me, I was like, no, Ilya got good stuff. This is exactly how Ilya should be treated. Right. I mean, the thing is, like, I guess what I would say to that is, like, Ilya in the visual novel was like a potential other route that got cut. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that she had a lot of like fluff um, and kind of like less important interactions, but just like more content because like she was going to maybe be like a, like a, a dateable or pursuable character in some capacity. Yeah. Um, but frankly, that's, that's bad. <laughs> right. Um, and shouldn't have happened. Uh, and I think it's fine if Ilya is used narratively more as like I don't know, just like like a not like a foil. Foil's not the right word, but like talking about her experience, like in contrast to Shiro's, or like using her perspective as someone who is sort of like linked between the previous war and the current war, um, as just kind of like backgrounding. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, for instance, her. That scene that you described that they give her with Sakura, it's like, you know, that happened to her mom. Um, and that's probably something that kind of fucked her up a little bit. Yeah. Um, or at least that she has feelings about. Uh, but she also knows, like, she was sort of, like, f- you know, born and also sort of, like, engineered for this purpose. Right. And it's also um, something that's going to happen to her. Right. Right. And so she knows that that's, like, just an inevitability of life because of, like, her circumstances. Um, and that's actually, like, that's really sad. And I think that that scene between the two of them is good uh, for that reason. And I don't know. I mean, the only thing that I can think of, um, did they have a scene on the swing set? Um, which I believe is, like, the Mind of Steel scene, if I'm not mistaken. Do you remember what happens in it? It's the one, I'm pretty sure, where, like, she sits down and talks to Shiro, like, at the swing set. And then is, like, 
what are you going to do? Are you going to kill Sakura or are you going to save everyone? Oh, no. Um, that, or that scene they Sakura? do not have. Or whatever. Okay. I can't, because I can't remember where that happens. I do think that scene is important. Um, but it seems like they decided to show it in a different way. Yeah. Um, instead of giving the moment to Ilya. And I, I do think um, that this movie was definitely the best that any anime has done yet at, like, portraying Shiro's internal conflict. Uh, they cool. they very explicitly tie it to Kiritsugu. Um, cool, cool. Yes, which is is very important and something that none of the other anime have ever done well. Yeah, that's good and important because that's always been my biggest gripe with like the Fate anime adaptations is that they don't really like do the deep Shiro dive because mm-hmm. they're too busy focusing on like making the action scenes look really good um, and like making the plot like understandable <laughs> in the allotted like episode time frame, right? Um, yeah, I think it's honestly okay to, I don't know, like, I mean, if people, if people like Ilya, you have to sit down with them and figure out why they like Ilya and if they're creeps or not. Um, you know? Yeah. Like, (laughs) I think Ilya is pretty fun and I think that, I don't know, I I think the idea of, like, her playing on, like, the, the, the clingy, like, Onichan, like whatever sort of like creepy uncomfortable thing but for her own like sick enjoyment um is one of those things that like teeters on the line between like funny and uncomfortable for me mm-hmm. um you know it's like it's cool that they're like aware and that this is a little subversive but you're also still contributing to this i don't think it's something that Faye really needed i do think it's like kind of funny occasionally um but i don't know i i do also think something that um when I watched the first Heavensfield movie with some friends who didn't, who weren't as familiar with Fate, um, some who had seen the Unlimited Blade Works anime, and some who had not even, um, they were all like, "Why do we care about Sakura? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Sakura isn't a character. <laughs> like, Sakura shows up like in Unlimited Blade Works." at the beginning and then kind of just like dips yeah um you know like she doesn't really do anything there's no real reason for us to care about her um like i guess you if you saw zero you have a slight emotional investment in her because you know that she was like in the bug pit and that was really sad um but like from a direct character standpoint you don't have like i don't there's no like narrative sympathy that comes out of like her actions like you're just like yeah she was in the bug pit that's really shitty like we do feel bad for her Mm mm-hmm um but i think so i think it's important i honestly think it's important that the heavens feel movies are the sakura show i agree um, because sakura because we also don't have like the fate route and unlimited blade works being as long as they were in the vn we don't get to have like more slice of life moments with sakura that really like even set her up as a character of any kind yeah um you know it's not to say there were a ton of them in uh fate or unlimited blade works but they definitely existed and like over the course of the i don't know like 12 hours or whatever i i don't know how much time like oh over the course of like those two roots of the visual novel you at least get like a loose sense of who sakura is as a person um which is why it's cool when it's kind of like flipped on its head slash like deep dived into um in heaven's feel where you like really learn more about her um yeah that's like that's my take as well. I think there's a pretty uh-huh. good chance now that, like, since uh, the second movie ends with the, um, where probably everyone expected it would, with the, like, Shinji attempted rape scene where she kills him. Um, and then, like, it goes... Oh, that's where they end the movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then goes, like, full dark Sakura. So now that she's, like... Oh, that's right, because that's that's the turning point where she goes, yeah, okay, okay, I remember. So now that she's, like, no longer with Shiro and the rest of them, I suspect that the third movie will, like, have less need to focus on her development and will give more attention to Ilya. Um, I was gonna say, yeah, like, we can probably slip a swing, a swing set scene in there somewhere. Right. But even if it doesn't, like, I, I talked to one person like right after i watched the movie who was was very unhappy with like the treatment Ilya got and was saying that like uh Ilya fans have been waiting for this route too because it's like where all of her development is in the vn and like it's just the soccer show and like 
like we've been waiting for it too this is like a slap in the face and i was like this is literally the only content that sakura ever gets in the series and Ilya has an entire like three seasons in a movie spinoff <laughs> Ilya... right admittedly which are also very problematic but like right. you know but there is Ilya content out there if you're willing to sift through all the bullshit if you want Ilya content then she probably has more consistent content than any other character from the visual novel except for like saber uh that's pretty true i would say yeah this is the only chance sakura gets to do anything because even in like ccc like bb isn't sakura she's a sakura right. face, and like but even like, she between has all of the her. sakura five you don't like you could not have read the visual novel and just treated all of these as like individual characters like knowing that they're all like sort of based off of sakura is interesting but that doesn't really do much for like sakura's direct character because they're all just like exaggerated elements of her as like in existence right so even if iliad doesn't get her chance to shine in the third movie i don't care sakura deserves the screen time more than iliad does i agree um i think that like i don't know i think from like a story function and like narrative function level i think Ilya is like very useful um mm-hmm. one because she's like a little bit older than shiro um and I think, because I, if I'm remembering right, they do have some good talks where Ilya, like, just is sort of a little more, like, level than he is, um, and can sometimes be, like, weirdly, like, the mature one, um, because yeah. she does go a little, like, big sister sometimes, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering right. And she is older um, than him, I think. Yeah, but it's just, like, um, I don't know, oh, like, spe- I think Speaking Ilya... of which, real quick, did you, uh, oh, yeah. were you aware that now that, um, the original version of the VN is no longer canon, and the not-sex scenes one is canon, that they all have official ages that actually make sense now, rather than everyone being 18, even oh. though it didn't make sense at all. No, I did not know that, but that makes sense. I don't, re- I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think that, um, I think that Shiro and Rin are 17 and Sakura is 16. That that and, sounds and right. Ilya, they're Ilya's they're about to go into their last year, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and then Sakura is the year below them, so right. that makes sense. So Ilya is probably what Ilya, eighteen or nineteen. Ilya has to be. Ilya was actually the only one who made sense to be eighteen in the original because, right. um, she was eight in Fate Zero. Right, because she was born in the prequel. <laughs> right. Yeah, but anyway, anyway sorry. Um, I just wanted to but throw yeah. that out. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's that's good to good to put out there. But I do think it's I don't know. I think that Ilya is useful because like she is a another magical perspective on like Kiritsugu and also on like like her perspective in the Grail War is like I don't know, unique mm-hmm. um just because of her like specific role in it. Um, and also her positionality to all of the characters is unique because she, like, didn't go to school with any of them, um, you know, and, like, didn't grow up with them. Um, That's true. And so I think that, like, her existing as part of, like, the way the story moves along and, like, how, you know, details get shared and perspectives get shared is important. But I, I don't think that she should be a main character um, in Heaven's Feel. Like, you know, if we had an Ilya root, which I definitely don't think we should have, um, <laughs> But, like, you know, in a hypothetical universe where we did have that, sure, like, you know, Ilya can get lots of content there, and then the route can be about her. But, like, Sakura is the main girl in this route, and, like, it's her time to shine. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, Speaking of routes that got cut and characters who got shafted, I do think that oh no. the big loser of this movie was Shinji. Um, oh, really? Because I, I'm certainly not a Shinji apologist, uh uh-huh. but i do think that he is one of the more like complex characters in the visual novel um i uh, think yeah, we've talked about this yeah, a bit in the past we, we have talked about this but i think the thing that people always forget about shinji is that like despite being a piece of shit like before the events of the visual novel he was shiro's best friend and he was like the only person who actually like agreed with shiro's ideals or like thought he was worth anything um, right. And Heaven's Feel is when Shinji gets all of his, like, humanizing backstory about why he turned out the way he did, about how, like, um, 
all of the ways he was mistreated by Zoken and how like as once Sakura became like a part of the Mato family and it was decided that like she would be like the heir to their magic crest instead of him like uh-huh. Zoken and his father just like stopped pretending he existed so he became so he like basically started abusing Sakura as like a, a reaction again of like jealousy because she basically like took his childhood and family away from him um, right he basically got eyes. like pseudo he basically just got like disowned yeah. <laughs> because there was like a better kid right and there's absolutely none of that in the movie um like, oh really yeah i i enjoy seeing shinji get the shit beaten out of him as much of as course, anybody he does deserve it because he totally deserves it um i i love seeing him as a punching bag very few things in anime bring me greater joy uh, <laughs> uh-huh. but i it is disappointing that they they didn't even like try to put any of the humanizing elements in for him yeah that's a bummer because like the point of i don't know like like i think well yeah like while i'm also not a shinji apologist and why i don't love shinji i do think that like the fact that he is an example of a character who is like both a victim and a perpetrator <laughs> um of like really awful things like on both sides is important yeah um because like i don't know you can still hate him and like god knows when i was playing the visual novel i definitely did but like dude had a hard childhood and like i don't know the the point of his i don't know it's obviously it's like yeah you can only cut people so much slack, etc. But like, I, he this does is an example like... of a character that isn't really seen that much. I feel like, especially in a thing that came from like the early two thousands. Yeah. Um, and I do think that it is important to frame Shinji like that, especially also because I kind of remember, um, in the first Heaven's Feel movie, there were some allusions to like Shinji's sort of like frustration and his sense of inadequacy, um. They were like subtle, but I definitely remember them being there. There, there definitely um, is some of that, but there's no exploration of why he feels that way. Okay, it's okay. just like and now he's dead, right? He, so. Yeah, and now he's dead. So it, it's just like ends up just him being pathetic. Okay. Um. Okay, which is the which he is. Let's not forget that over the course of the VN, he like rapes, tries to rape, or expresses his intention to rape like six or seven different women. So yeah, like <laughs> no definitely definitely a bastard and definitely just definitely a, a a very bad bad individual yes but but one who is well written and i think deserved the the chance to show that off right because it's like i don't know the, like the vn doesn't forgive shinji either mm-hmm. but they do give him like some nuance like just because he has a sympathetic backstory doesn't make him a good person right um, but it does make him, like, it, it does give you more, like, insight into who he is. All right. And yeah, on that that's note, um, Sad did you have though. any more questions about, like, how the movie handled anything? Or should we move on to the next subject? Not really. Now that I totally thought this was going to take, like, 15 or 20 minutes, but we're, like, 45 minutes into recording. Yeah. Um, so this is just the Heaven's Feel to, uh, Heaven's Feel to recap into us talking about Random Things episode, which is fine. Yeah. So um, um yeah, I, I feel good about that. I do, thanks for the the rundown and you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing this when it comes out mm-hmm. um in some form that I can consume it in. So do you want to move on to the Magecraft stuff now or do you want to save that for when we have more time and just do like a random page? I don't know. I um See, the thing is if we start talking about this now, also check out our professionalism because we totally could have did i didn't think this was going to go on this long i don't <laughs> think you did either yeah that, um, i certainly did not we could do this now and then we'll have like an hour and a half long episode you know um or we could just do our random page and then just just call it a short episode maybe after how long the last two episodes where we should uh, go for a short one why don't we do that i was about to say i think i think for the sake of just balancing things out we can do that because uh, we can definitely spend a whole episode talking about the um the magic system of the series and how cool it is and how confusing it is blah 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 all right so we can just have this be like a quick recap sorry folks for not giving you uh an april fool's thing but we'll make up for it in the future we have some bigger episodes planned 
All right. Also, we did just drop like two four-hour episodes, so like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's fine if we give us give ourselves like a free week. I've got or a free uh, episode. I've got a random page for us. All right, hit it. Okay. Um, I was like, if we random the Magecraft page, it's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> we did not, but uh, okay. All right, quiz for you. Whose noble phantasm is this? Fierce tiger forcibly climbs a mountain. Also localized as stalking tiger. <sighs> um, forcibly climbs a mountain. Is this a martial arts character? It is. Okay, well, it's not Li Xuan. Is it Yan uh, It is Li Xuan. It's Li Xuan? Yeah. Fierce Tiger Forcibly Climbs a Mountain is one of the secret techniques of Li Xuan, a pinnacle representation of Bajiquan and the deadly form he had relied <laughs> on throughout his life. It is a technique often attributed to him, differing from the anti-unit no-second strike that is meant to stop the target's heart, in that it is specialized for physical damage. It is an okay. anti-gate noble phantasm that is a series of consecutive attacks and obtained its name because it frequently utilizes motions where the first attack looks like a tiger clawing at a mountain. Uh, oh, this is the one that he uses as a, as a berserker. I, I just I found the wiki page. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's that's the uh, I don't know if you see the if if the gif is on your version of the page. I do. oh I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only yeah. Oh, and there it says he only utilizes it after becoming berserker due to having stopped reading the pulse and mind of his opponent from losing his sanity. Ah, uh, okay. So <laughs> so he stops doing the no second strike thing. Yeah. It just goes for straight kill power. Uh, he apparently uses it to easily smash walls, doors, and even the sturdy gates of dojos. <laughs> okay. So it's a technique designed for, like, breaking down... Like, oh, it is an anti-gate noble yeah, phantasm. Yeah, it's an anti-gate noble phantasm, but he can also just, like... It says here, like, smash walls, doors, and even the sturdy gates of dojos, let alone the damage it could cause to a single person. <laughs> Right. So it's designed so is, against um, objects, but he can also just, like, say, fuck you and do it to a person. It also doesn't have a rank, so is this, uh, it says it's a noble phantasm, but is this one of those things, well, like, Well, no uh, second like strike a... doesn't have a rank either, does it? Oh, uh... No, it does not. Good question. There's the link. It doesn't? Uh, what do you know? No. Yeah, it's, it doesn't. it's like Unlimited Blade Works. It's one of those few noble phantasms that's not absolute, actually a noble phantasm. It's just a thing this person can do. Right, I was gonna say, is this like, uh, like, um, 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 Tsubami Gaishi? That's what I was trying to remember. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, cool. Also, I thought Unlimited Blade Works had, had an, had E to A++++. Does it? Or, um, like, NA or something like that? It had, yeah, I was right, it has E to, e, e to A++. Oh, uh, I could have sworn that, uh, Emiya had one of those just like one of his parameters was just the the nothing dash but okay if i'm not mistaken the way they frame unlimited blade works in the visual novel is because like he's like oh you know i wasn't really a great anything so like i don't really have like you know an excalibur sword beam noble phantasm but if you were to call anything my noble phantasm it would be this mm -hmm. um where he's like it's not really a noble phantasm it's just a thing i do but like it, it's basically my noble phantasm. <laughs> right. So we've talked about Li Xuan a little bit in the past. Uh, Hell yeah. I think Love he, that guy. <laughs> you are a big fan of his. Uh, Love I think that he's, Bajiquan. <laughs> Bajiquan fixation in this series, hilarity aside, uh, I think he's kind of an interesting character, although not one I really have much of an emotional attachment to. Uh-huh. Um, I recently got caught up on all of the Lost Belt translations that are out. So I saw his old version in Lost Belt 3. Oh, cool. Um, I still need to do that. He doesn't do a ton in it, but he has some pretty cool moments. Um, he He's never named until, like, the very end of it. He's just, like, listed as Captain of the Guard. I do remember that also. Um, and his his, like, sprite in the game is pretty unassuming so he's he's like easy to dismiss as not a servant um that makes sense yeah because he just has like the sort of like uh what it's it's like the the like maoist china era like like cultural revolution kind of like simple military-ish looking outfit yeah yeah 
Uh, and like the like perfectly round like sunglasses. Um, yes. So it, it's pretty easy to overlook him as like not a character who actually means anything right up until the point where there's like a shit talking match between Shi Huang Di and Koyan Skaya. And then he just like comes up behind her and like like knocks her out with a single hit. I do remember that, and then being like, "Yo, Li Shu Um And then, God, how, how they treat uh, Koyan Skaya in Lost Belt Three is so fucking funny. Shi Huangdi is just like so sick of all of her shit. Yeah, it's uh, very cathartic. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. Um, and then at the the very end of the Lost Belt, like Shi Huangdi um, dismisses him and the the general whose name escapes me um who's not a oh, collectible the, the, servant like, the, the bigger dude with the glasses yeah um I, I don't remember his name but he like dismisses the two of them so that he can have like a showdown with Jinka um oh that's right that's right that's right and, and she has like the hack smartphone thing yeah they yeah. they go down to fight the party um and they have like right. a, a pretty cool scene of like the mustering like the martial artists imperial guard um to fight and then both of them die uh so it's not like a very big role that uh-huh. lee ends up having in that singularity but i am very happy that we got like assassin lee in the game and his old version as well yeah me too me too i definitely like i don't know i always liked I liked younger Li Shuen in Extra because he was kind of, I don't know, he's sort of the, I, I'm a sucker for the, like, the sort of noble villain kind of, like, trope, mm-hmm. where it's, like, he, um I don't know, unlike Robin, who, like, I, it's sort of, like, an inversion of, like, uh, Robin and um, Dan Blackmore, um, where, like, Dan wants to be like, oh, mages are noble and we fight head on. And Robin Hood's like, no, this is war. <laughs> we just kill people. <laughs> and Dan's like, wow, shut up. Uh, from what I remember, at least, the Julian uh, Li Shuen relationship is like, ends up being sort of an inverse of that, where like Julian like hacks the mainframe to be like, no, I'm not losing full berserker mode. And Li Shuen's like, ah, you bitch. <laughs> um, and then just you know goes full berserker <laughs> fierce tiger climbing mountain forcibly um on nero or archer or you know who yeah do you um, have any idea what's with like nazi's love for baji kwan i honestly have no idea and i'd really love to read an interview about it um because i'm not sure why it is the one martial art that continues to come up yeah um and I'm really surprised that there, the at least not on the Type Moon Wiki that I've seen, there's no like Baji Kwan page. Well, there's a Baji Kwan page. I'm on it right now. It's very small. Oh, okay. Um, but there's no like, oh, why does Nasu like Baji Kwan? Like, I don't even know if people talk about this. Like, I know you and I make fun of this all the time because <laughs> right. we're like, oh, someone who knows martial arts, it's probably Baji Kwan. Then like five minutes later, they're like, I'm a Baji Kwan master, and we're like, yeah, you are. <laughs> Um, I don't know if that's a thing that other people are like as keyed into. They should be. Yo, hold on. On the Bodyquan page, Rin is listed as a practitioner. Yeah, because she she knows some martial arts because uh, it's probably Kotomine taught her. I don't remember that at all. Does she like? Does she fight with yeah. martial arts in the VN? Yeah. Do you remember when when she beats up Medea? When she beats up Caster? I I remember that fight, but I thought it was just like a like a magic battle. No, because the whole point of it is that she like gets a she gets like a one up on um she gets a one up on Medea because she knows she knows martial arts so she like goes in for like the close quarters battle and like like punches her in the stomach. Oh, they they um, pull like they just reverse team cast the strat on them like send in a human to can punch things to fight the servant and surprise um, them. They kind of do that. Yeah, it's like. I can't remember what it what the reasoning of it is, but it's like I think Rin basically says something like, Yeah, like I know I can't beat you in like a magic battle, so like I can hold you off with magic, but like 
I have to like magic punch you in the stomach to do any actual damage because uh, you're yeah, like see. me, you're like a twig. Yeah. <laughs> like even though your magic is like age of the gods level, you're like basically, you know, human level stamina. <laughs> like I stab you and you're fucking dead. I punch you in the stomach, you're getting the wind knocked out of you. Does um does Hansa Cervantes do Bajikuan? I remember there's like Oh, he definitely does. I remember at least in his backstory he, there's like a shout out to Bajikuan, but I don't remember if he actually knows it himself. Yeah, cuz he learns it from uh did uh, I'm on I'm on the I'm on the page. Del, Del Mio Cervantes, um who is the the guy who like raises him. That's right. That's um, right. And he and Del Mio was like a Bajikuan practitioner. And I know there's like that one shot of Hansa doing the the Yeah, yeah, he does he does the pose. He does the. Hang on. Oh, I've, he got, does? I've got the screen cap. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I want to see that. You know, it's. God, it's, Hansa's it's, such a fucking sick character. <laughs> I love Hansa. Come on, you. And I'll I'll link this image in the the thing. It's not super important, but just so people have the visual. He does the he does the pose. <laughs> oh yeah, that is the pose. <laughs> That's the pose. It's the Bajikorn pose. <laughs> That's from um his fight with Jester, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember what what volume his backstory was in? Was that volume two? Ooh, I don't know. I think it's it's probably how many volumes are out right now? Four. Is it, is it four. Must be two. Wherever his fight with Jester is, I'm pretty sure it's like there's a cut away from him. Then there's like a cut back to him and his backstory, um, and then it like goes into the fight. I think. Yeah, I, I want to find it's again. Some, it's something like that. The bit where they like talk about his training because I know they like name drop Risei Katomine in a, yes, a way that was really funny like the guy who it's something like the guy who uh gets asked to train hansa is like man i don't want to take care of a kid like if you're looking for a bajikwan priest like we say Katomine is pretty good yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for a bajikwan priest who are all these other fucking randos that aren't uh oh these okay these are just random side characters i was like i know miyako um most of them are connected to miyako aren't they yeah yeah they are like master panda Ma- master panda who's <laughs> just a panda <laughs> oh, Zuki or, oh he's a dude in a panda suit that was it oh is he oh he is a dude in a panda suit yeah whatever yo miyako she's fun and melty <laughs> <laughs> She's a fun character to play, yeah. The, like, elbow drop move, the move where she, like, she, like, crosses you up and, like, hits you with, like, the stomp. She's... You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, her, um... And the funnest moon to play her in is the worst one. Is the worst (laughs) one, right. Go play Melty Blood, everyone. It's free. (laughs) Yeah, it's free and it's really fun. It's it's free. Okay, you can buy it on Steam. It's a very good fighting game. Yeah, it's really good. It's like it's also like a foundational like anime fighter. Mm-hmm. It's like it's kind of like the early anime fighter. Did you see um, the, the thing I posted in um, Discord back when the the list of games for Evo came out this year? Um, uh, no, and they're, they're saying people were like upset because Melee is out and like Unist is in. Sure, um, but I I posted like a screenshot from like a Reddit comment thread where someone was asking like what's Eunice and someone responded oh it's like this up and coming like really cool anime fighter by the people who made Melty Blood and uh-huh. people were like someone asked like what's Melty Blood and it, the fr- I can't remember what the wording was now but it's it was I, think I remember this post um, something like the 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 grandfather of anime fighting games like never will <laughs> Melty Blood fade from like uh parking lot crts or something like that <laughs> oh that's good <laughs> melty will never die my favorite thing about melty blood is like the the perpetual memeing of like yo we got melty finals out here and it's like it's like a kid standing in a pond on his smartphone or something <laughs> yeah. like that like like it's like whenever there's an image of like a computer in a weird place, like someone invariably will oh, be like, "Yo, melty finals." I, I found it. The way it went was, "What is Eunice?" Reply: Some crackhead anime fighter that's fun as fuck from the devs of Melty Blood, but actually good. And then some <laughs> responded, oh, "Oy, show some respect to the greatest fight in fighten f i g h t a n, 
the greatest fighting game to ever grace convenience store parking lots and hotel bathrooms. Melty never <laughs> dies, baby. <laughs> baby. Uh, baby said in the the voice of like the that one donkey video where he's talking about Halo. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I love Melty. I definitely, like, it's one of those games that, like, people install on their smart fridges for Twitter posts. <laughs> right. You know? It's, like, one of those things. So, uh, Wild Tiger forcefully climbing a mountain. Melty Blood is good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's that's all we really have to say. As someone who, like, okay, you, before we wrap up this episode, you know, if you've never played a fighting game before, Melty is a very hard game as your first fighting game. But if you like Type Moon, which hopefully you do because you're listening mm-hmm. to this podcast, uh, it's fun and it's rewarding. It was my first fighting game, and I managed to put it together pretty well by the end. Yeah, uh, I'm, you a, did. I'm a Mech Hisui main. Yeah, um, what F Mech Hisui was it? Yeah, F Mech Hisui. Yeah, and I'm a I'm a I'm a dirty dirty Ryogi main. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, I tried playing F You, you want to tell people about the prophecy? The prophecy. Oh, God. I, could I even find that image? I wonder if I saved that. Well, you can um, look for it. You can look for it later, and if it exists, we'll put it in the description. We'll put it. It's pretty, like, bad. It's definitely, like, a like content warning slurs thing, I think. Um, oh, is it that bad? I, I thought it was. I don't know. Okay. I, if I'm remembering, it was, but I'm, I'm not sure. Um, when I... When Ben and I started playing Melty Blood, I... Went. I joined the Melty Blood Discord because I was. I can't remember what. It, maybe I was trying to learn some Ryogi combo, or I was or trying to ask you, about like, having some... trouble installing it or something. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. It was during the install. Um, or uh, I don't. Yeah, I think that was it. Either way, I went in being like, "Yeah, I play Ryogi," and then I got bombarded by like a bunch of people who were doing like the Ryogi knife in the ground emoji. <laughs> um. And like what, like one of uh, one of Ryogi Shiki's moves in the game is she like throws her knife and then it like lands in the ground. And it was just like the the emoji that they were spamming was just like the Ryogi knife in the ground thing. Um, and then someone mentioned this thing called the prophecy, and I was like, "What's the prophecy?" And then I was linked to this image that was like a it was a screen cap of this thing that was like the prophecy is like it's basically like everyone who picks up or there's like a bunch of people who pick up Melty who haven't played Tsukihime only because Shiki Ryogi's in it, and they want to play Ryogi because she's edgy and not because they actually have any respect for Tsukihime. <laughs> um, and then they will invariably try and pick up H. Ryogi only to find out that she's the most technically like challenging character in the entire game, will then drop the game and then never pick it back up again. Um, and that was the prophecy, more or less. Um, and I remember I got a huge kick out of that, and I sent it to you, and it was, it was a grand old time. And- <laughs> it was definitely a hard call out of you. It was definitely a super duper call out because it was also totally why I was there. I was like, I haven't, I don't really want to read Tsukihime. I know it's, it's got lots of problems and I know it's foundational or whatever. And I will probably read it eventually. We, we probably do have to read it eventually. We do have to read it eventually. I just, it just seems like, it seems like it's really loaded, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But it was definitely a hard call out of me. And also, like, Whenever me and my girlfriend play Melty Blood, like, I still play Age Ryogi. I always try and play other characters, but I always come back to, to Half Moon Ryogi. Um, because that's who I am day. as a person. I, I always pick... It's definitely, like, the me thing to pick bad characters in fighting games who are also very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always pick the, like... <laughs> like highest difficulty lowest reward characters <laughs> which is why i play Sheik and bayonetta in smash ultimate <laughs> right yeah melty Blood no is something for, for everyone you want to play like an edgelord be like ryogi shiki or nanaya shiki you want to play right. like a fucking goofy ass character that you want to play like a traditional fighting game character you play uh what's his name the one kieran always did oh god um um Koma, Kishima yeah, Koma. You play Kishima Koma. You want to play a yeah, goofy ass character? Yeah, he's just like a fucking like re ripoff. You want to play a goofy ass character? You play either like the robot maid the or the the joke cats from the opening skits of Carnival Phantasm, or yeah, you, you play Neko Arc or Neko Arc Chaos, or you play uh, Neko Arc and Mechisui in a single character. Who's actually a good character? Who's <laughs> actually really good? 
There are like yeah, six or you can just play in that game. Or you can just play um, Nervin Square and do J2C and then be unstoppable <laughs> and completely unapproachable. I still can't believe there are like six different Hisuis in that game. It's so weird. <laughs> just why? Uh... Go play Melty Blood, everyone. Yeah, it's, this it's is, a really this good is, time. This is this episode's version of Go Read Strange Fate. Go play Melty Blood. Can uh, can we make the title for this episode the the quote I just read about like <laughs> Melty Blood, the greatest fighting game to to ever grace convenience store bathrooms? Oh, I can totally do that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I can do that. I can do that. I was either thinking of making, I was thinking uh, if we didn't come up with an episode title during the episode that I would just name it. Uh, the greatest joke of all, the Type Moon Magic System. <laughs> That's pretty good, too. But we, um, we have I, to save that one for when we actually talk about the Type Moon Magic System. That's true. See, I'm thinking, though, that maybe we should do it, because now we've, we actually have done a prank, because we never talked oh, about right. the Type Moon Magic System. You're right. That's very true. <laughs> so, we, we, April, happy April Fool's Day, everyone. We did fool you. Get memed on, you idiots. <laughs> You thought we were going to talk about serious things. Instead, we just talked about Melty Blood for the last 15 minutes. Yeah, you know, that's how I do. Well, uh, if you if you came along for the ride this long, thank you for bearing with us as always. Um, yeah, do you want to wrap it up? Should I just do the social media bit? Yeah, you do. Social media is your bag. All right, all right. Yeah. Uh, you know, as always, um, follow us on Twitter at The Magic Circuit. Um... You can follow me at sleepy underscore Mimi. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and also on Pocket Cast because it's the podcast app I use. You do have to pay like $2 for it, but it's really good and I would recommend it. Um, we're not on Stitcher because I'm lazy <laughs> and I haven't submitted the RSS feed yet. But I know a lot of people use that, so we should probably do that. Okay. Um, and also on SoundCloud oh, uh, um, at, oh God, Magic Circuit Magic Podcast? Cir- the Magic Circuit Podcast? I think it's just... Uh, soundcloud.com slash the dash magic dash circuit okay that's it that's it yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and I did mine yeah and uh, Ben you, no social media still nope <laughs> and uh, uh yeah follow the our anime podcast yeah there you go there's your plug yep um yeah I think that's it uh thanks for bearing with us again as always and uh you know enjoy this this only medium funny april fool joke that we all accidentally <laughs> pulled on with ourselves. zero planning on our yeah we 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 fooled ourselves the real fools on this day are us <laughs> so uh thanks everyone bye bye <laughs>